2: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And we've got another busy show in store. After last week's first test between England and India finished in a draw, we'll look ahead to Thursday's second test and debate and discuss what changes Joe Root's side should make for the game at Lords. As well as this, we'll get the Indian view, cricket writer Anant Vasu, and we'll also speak to Australian cricket writer Robert Craddock after the Aussies suffered a T20 series defeat in Bangladesh. So, a lot to discuss. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Well, Harmi, you did uh, excellent work on your daily podcast, The Cricket Collective, with John Norman throughout the Trent Bridge Test match. So, we won't go too deeply into what happened there, but it is worth discussing... It, didn't, it wasn't rocket science to point out that there was a problem with the top three, and that duly uh, came to pass. And uh, there are now lots of questions to be asked around uh, Zach Crawley and, and Don Sibley. So, um, is it time for a change, Harmy?
3: I think it might be. Manners. The top three isn't working. The look all at sea. Crawley goes in first. I think he needs to. He, for me, Crawley's an opening batsman. puts pressure on the on the bowler if the over pitch. Sibley faces a lot of balls um, and he does his job, but he doesn't get the volume of runs for the balls he faces. But unfortunately, I think if they're going to stick with Rory Burns and Sibley at number one and number two, I think we might need to change at number three because it's not working for Zach there. Zach Crawley is going to play a lot of test matches for England. They're going to need him in Australia. I think he'd do well in Australia. But maybe it's time just to take him out and either put Ollie Pope in and give Ollie Pope a chance to bat at number three or Hamid comes in at number three whether pope comes in because he's fit now whether he comes back in the middle order and comes in at number um, number 6 that would be a, the, the two changes from the batting lineup because something has to happen that's and it, it's it's not an isolated incident yeah you know, we're not this is not jumping on things to say, do you know what yeah we didn't bat very well but this has been going on for far too long now something has to change um, because we can't keep giving first innings deficits away we can't keep getting scores of under 200 in the first innings of a test match and expect Broden and Anderson to pull us out of, pull us out of jail, Robinson uh, to pull us out of jail, which can't happen anymore. So I do think it's time for a change.
2: So, well, you've mentioned the two options um, and maybe there's a third option that uh, hasn't occurred to me, but Hasib Hamid, um, he's, the, he's the man in waiting. He's the next cab off the rank. Does he come in at three or um, is it time now to, to say to Oli Pope, we're, we're not hiding you down at five or six, uh, this is this is your moment, you know. Michael Atherton said when he made his debut that uh, he would play 100 Test matches for England, and, and and nobody doubts Ollie Pope's class. And I wonder, I wonder whether actually he would put his hand up and say, "Absolutely, put me at three.
3: Yeah, and then hopefully he is he is saying that. And you, it's not a case of, "Well, this is the only place you can bat if you want to actually play in a team." There's you know you have got you've got seven batsmen in that in that unit, and there's only Joe Root that can say I'm playing next week with any sort of confidence and vigour. So I, why not? I would like to see Oli Pope go at number three and give him a chance and give him a go. The captain's not moving from four. I like Besto at five, especially against India. I think there's a fear factor of bowling at Johnny Besto by the Indian bowlers more than anybody else. I would even to the point of you know Joe Root because of what Johnny Besto does in the IPL. You know the IPL is is a as a huge tournament. Johnny Bairstow's got that you know big orange uh, orange jersey on. Goes out, pussy chefs out, bats number one, goes against all the Indian bowlers and belts them all round. You know for Sunrisers Hyderabad. So I think there is a there is a little bit of a fear issue with the Indian bowlers with Johnny. So and Johnny looked decent. He looked in in, in good order until he got out twice. Where you'd it's not typical Bairstow, but you you'd think the second one. I think he could have hit it anywhere in the, anywhere in the Trent bridge and he's picked the man out on the fence. And it was a, it was a powerful shot, but I thought he looked in, in decent order at hope So that whether you go Lawrence at, si- Lawrence at six and bring him out and put Pope there back to where he, he has been batting and Hamid goes in at three, they will be the two changes I'd be, I'd be thinking about, but why not? I, I, I still think, yeah, if Pope wants to be a top, top player and, looked at as a top, top player. I think he's going to have to have a go at number three to see where he's actually at. Um, and uh,
2: Sam Curran at six, that's another uh, question. We, we're searching for balance, obviously, in the absence of Ben Stokes. Um, and I have to say that, you know, there are, there are many other teams around the world that would look at the England team and say, well, that's not that unbalanced, you know. <laughs> we, we, we've got bigger problems than that. But, but there are those who say that Sam Curran's good enough to bat
3: at six. Well, there's two things in this in this As He bats at number eight, and he bats like a number eight. I and mean, this has been talked about Mo and Ali. You know, it's a crash-bang wallop. He's got the tail to bat with. He stands there, he goes out and tries to belt it. If he bats at number six, it's a whole different ball game. He has to bat properly. He has to have a good technical defence. He's got to be prepared to get bombarded with short balls. He's not got the luxury of just standing there and going crashing it. Seeing that, Rishi Pant does that for India. And he does that. He does that quite well. So th- there is there is a, a train of thought that he can go and do that. The problem with Curran at six is Butler's not scoring enough runs at seven. For me, I think in an ideal world I'd want Curran at seven and Butler at six. And he, Butler's not doing it from a from a run scoring point of view. So that then knocks the balance of the side. You have to pick four bowlers. England probably. I would like to see England make a change in the bowling department and bring Mark Wood in. Because then he gives you that injection of pierce that you can use him in that time. So the baton's more worrying about the bowling. If I was a bowler in that unit and Joe Root or Chris Silverwood tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're not playing at Lords, I'd be very, very upset because I'm going, you know what, these have got still a baton lineup. We bowled them out under 90 overs. We bowled them out under 300 in the first innings of a test match. And we're getting dropped. No, this is not right. So I think they're going to have... You know, a legitimate question or throwbacks to, to that point of view, but you've also got to balance, you know, back-to-back test matches in the COVID world that we're in. I, I, I think a change might be in the bowling department to rest one of you know, the, the older guard. And I would, I would look at that. it being broad. He looked short of a gallop and I think um, another week. And I think he'd be ready for, for Head and Lee when it comes, because I think England need a quick bowler. They might need a spinner, at Lords, I like the spinner at Lords because of the the slope and DRS. But one, I don't think the back jack leeching two in this balance of the size. There's no way you can get. I don't think you can get one in.
2: You mentioned Johnny Besto, and of course uh, he hadn't played a red ball innings um, before the Test match, which is. Hmm unprecedented, absolutely uh, crazy. And batting coach Marcus Truscothic did say after the Test match that uh, he would like a bit more time <laughs> to help prepare the batsmen for Test cricket.
4: Scheduling is always an issue. And I think uh, trying to get the, the balance right for the batters moving into Test series, of course, you would want them to have played a certain amount of red ball cricket going into it. But I think we all appreciate that trying to get all the cricket in you know, for what you need for the players across the Whole summer and county teams, the hundred, all these different competitions going on. There's no easy solution to get this right, and, and something always have to give. But we want to, we'd love to be out of the fact that we could get more time into them out in the crease, um, bowling with the red ball, facing with the red ball, um, and the preparation be slightly better. But it's just not the way. Um, so you've got to find a way and, and get into it in a different sort of fashion.
2: That was England batting coach Marcus Druskothic. He's quite understated. I mean, he, <laughs> you wouldn't expect him to come out and and uh, and 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 slag the schedule off <laughs> and have a go at his bosses, but it is very very hard. I mean, who who would want to be the batting coach when you've got you basically got forty eight hours uh, with with a group a group of of men who obviously know how to play test cricket, but they haven't even
3: played any red ball cricket. That's the problem, and and I can yeah, I know Marcus as well as anybody, and I can understand these frustrations and. Honestly, I was over when I heard it. I must admit, I was like you—the eyebrows picked up. Oh, Marcus, that's interesting. I'm sure Paul Collingwood's saying the same. I'm sure Graham Thorpe's saying the same. Chris Silverwood, I would hope, is saying the same as well. Because, man, as we said about six weeks ago, I think it was when when this hundred comes about, I just wonder. It was after the New Zealand Test series. I just wonder who would knock back playing in the hundred for three three games and potentially go and play a second team a second team game because that's the only thing that was about. A red bull game just to go and go and get a double hundred against you know our club bowlers who you're spending time at the crease, occupying batting for two hours, having a 40-minute break, batting for two hours, having a 20-minute break, just get into the motion of test match cricket. And nobody did, obviously. And this is what you're seeing. And I think the coaches are saying that as well. They're saying, It's all well and good giving me a job. Marcus Triscothic, one of the best players of my generation, and he was. Graham Thorpe, one of the best players of the, the 90s generation, which he was. It's all well and good giving us a job and a bag of balls and telling us that we're going to go and help these players to perform. When I don't get some time with him. I'm not trying, I'm, and I'm trying to change the mindset. I'm sure both, if we got in depth with Trez and Thorpe about batting, you know, they'll both say we're not changing techniques because of the need The techniques change to get to international cricket. There shouldn't be in the first place. We're just trying to get them in the mindset of actually what balls to leave, what balls to defend and what balls to hit. And at the minute, we look as though we're nowhere near. We're all at sea on the whole lot. So I can understand the frustration on that. Is it going to change? No. It's not going to change. The 100's here to stay. The blast is here to stay. First class cricket's going to be at the start of the year, at the end of the year. It's not changing. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to suck it up and, and get on with it. At, the minute, at this minute in time, we've got world, one, one world-class batsman. We've got a very, very good batsman and Ben Stokes. And we've got six other players in our top, our top seven who are borderline good enough to play test match cricket. I'll take Johnny out of there because I think he is. I just think he's been messed about a bit. But I think the question marks on the rest of them are, are the borderline, the borderline to play a test match cricket. And they need time to adjust and adapt to get themselves in that position. They're not going to get it.
2: We haven't uh, paid enough tribute to to Joe Root's hundred. He's twenty first. It was certainly um, the best that uh, that I've seen. Um, and he know, he knows the importance of confidence. And we were just talking about Zach Crawley. You reckon it's time for him to to step aside? Um, uh, but the England captain was very quick to back Zach Crawley. Um, and and you know he, he was talking about it's just a it's just a matter of uh, of time before he returns to form. This is what he said after the test match.
5: I look back at my career early at certain stages, and, and game does test you. You have to keep finding ways of, of, of first of all making sure it's as, as secure as, as you want it to be, but ultimately you have to be a very strong character. Zach is is certainly that. He's, he's he's someone that's got great maturity at a young age. Um, and you know he has to keep keep looking at at bringing that to the forefront of his game when he goes out there. Like, keep looking to to go and play in, in the manner that we, we all know he can. He's shown everyone that he can perform at this level. And you know next time he gets out there, he's got to make sure that you know he believes in that and he he really enjoys that that opportunity to to go and make big runs again.
2: Joe Root, uh, talking about Zach Crawley. I mean, it's great to to back your players. That's what you have to do as a captain. But as you said, Harmi, a couple of minutes ago, you know,
3: I mean, the, the man's
2: averaging 11 this year. Yeah.
3: There's a difference between backing him and hanging him out and, and, and hanging him out to dry and hanging him, not hanging him out to dry. It's a horrible way of saying it. But basically throwing him you know, even further into a hole which he's struggling to get out of. I think Zach Crawley is a very, very talented batsman. I think Zach Crowley is a is more talented than, than, than Burns or Sibley. I think you'll get more runs out of Zach Crawley over the course of their careers. But unfortunately, at this minute in time, I, I sometimes a little break and sometimes a little bit of ticking out of the firing line refreshes and helps a player to come back that little bit stronger. You know, come back after adversity. You, you learn the game better. You understand the game better when... You have a little bit of time away from the game to, to think about what's happened. Make a few little technical changes. You know, talk to your coaches. Talk to people that you're, you're comfortable with. Get some little bits of advice from, from around. Then dissect it the way you feel as though you need to go again to make sure that you're in a better place the next time you have a go. I think Zach Crawley will play a big part in Australia. He has to because I think the way he plays. I think he, he's, a, he's a good player for Australian Australian uh, surfaces because the, the size he's at, the stride he gets in, he looks to hit the ball. I back him to get more runs than the other two, but at this minute in time, I just think the more we're playing him, the harder it is mentally and physically, uh, mentally for, for Zach to get out of this run of low scores.
2: Very quickly, um, there are those who say, Maybe England just doesn't have enough good players. Um, you know, maybe there aren't, there just aren't enough test quality batsmen around. I don't subscribe subscribe to that opinion. Do you?
3: No, I don't subscribe to it. But the longer that we keep, we keep getting low scores in the first innings. You are looking round the traps, and there's not much going from a, a one, two, three. Bear in mind, this has been, this has been a problem since Sir Andrew Strauss left the England cricket team all them years ago. We have struggled with number two. And then when Jonathan Trott walked out, we have struggled with number three. And since Sir Alistair Cook walked out two years ago, uh, two and a half, three years ago, we haven't had a one, two, three who could get close to to getting the starts that England need to be a force to be reckoned with in test match cricket. Like I said, four, five, six, I think I can pick them, not a problem, and be comfortable in Root, Stokes and Bairstow. But at this minute in time, one, two, three, look, all at sea.
2: You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison as we build up to Thursday's second test between England and India. And next, we get the view from the tourists with veteran cricket writer Anant Vasu. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. And we'll continue to look at some of England's selection headaches in the second half of the show, but now it's time to focus on India. And we're delighted to be joined by an old friend of mine. And I can, I can say now with some authority, veteran cricket writer, Anant Vasu, who um, uh, uh, watched uh, the action and was, was writing about it. I'm uh, no doubt with, uh, with the usual authority. Anant, um, I, do you know what? I, I, I still haven't got over the ballsy selection. I mean, um, Sharul Thakur in place of R Ashwin, uh, you know, it just, I mean, it literally took my breath away.
1: Well, I think you're not the only one who was uh, literally breathless when they, when they, when, when, when the Indian team was announced for the last game, so much of the buildup was around Ashwin uh, was around what he would, what he could do, what he would do in English conditions. He's been much better overseas of late than he has in the past. Uh, while a lot of the, other Indians were on holiday in England. He went and played a county game for Surrey. He seemed to have done everything right. I mean, there's, there's really not, not much more you could have asked of him. But I think Kohli has always had this tendency to look at it. test matches individually. He looks at the conditions. He looks at the opposition and he picks 11 for, 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 for that game. Not, uh, reputations not, notwithstanding. And uh, in this instance, he seemed to have got it right. Uh, well, at least going into the final day, India were, India had set themselves up very well.
3: And now you look at the, the 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 selection of of Ashwin, um, but one of the other the other sort of talking points is was Pant Rishi Pant the way he batted and the way he played. Do you think in English conditions he can play ten Test match in well another eight Test match innings like that if the ball's moving around? Or do India need to possibly bring in either another batsman
1: in, or think about batting Jadeja at number six? I think India encouraged Pant to play the way he does. They know that it's not going to come off often as they would like, but when it does, it makes a big difference. I think with having Jareja and Shardul Thakur as kind of cover for the, for the lower order, the concern for India won't be so much what Pant is doing, but what the people before him are, because the top order has been really struggling for, uh, in in the recent past. I mean, Kohli's gone two years without a hundred. Pujara's uh, averages in the twenties in England. Rahani seems to score one good big 100. 15 tests to come after. So, the, the problems, uh, India won't be thinking so much about Pant as, as getting the top order to do their job in the first place. And yeah. Mohamed Siraj, you look at the way he, he bowled.
3: I, I, like, I like what he brings, I, I enjoy his um, enthusiasm and in your face. Uh, confrontational I, I thought it was hilarious at one point when Virat Kohli told him to calm down I thought that was quite amusing That, um, but is that what India need?
1: Uh, they do I think because especially in, uh, when you have passages of play in, uh, in England where the, the ball's kind of gotten a bit old and it's not really doing that much what, what you need is someone to uh, fire things up a little bit you need someone to bring some life into the game if, if you will and the advantage that Siraj has also is that he's he seems to be able to move move the ball even when it gets a little older. Uh, he's able to move the ball in the air off the pitch, both directions. So while he's not the fastest in the team, he's he he seems to always be in the game. And uh, and this is something that I think Kohli uh, appreciates about it. Shardul Thakur
2: looks like he was built for English cricket, mm. for for county cricket. I bet you, but honestly, I, I just I was watching him bowl and I thought. There'll be half a dozen counties going to the bank manager saying, we need we need to borrow some money. I don't care how much we need to bring this bloke to pl- come and play for us next summer.
1: Yes. And uh, his batting has really come on in the recent past. I mean, it was not something that he was ever being picked for really, uh, but he he, he seems to relish batting. Like, like many of our bowler friends, they seem to enjoy batting more than they do bowling after a certain point of time. But uh, yeah, his... He's, he's deceptive. He tends to go for a lot of runs in uh, white ball cricket, but he gets wickets. He's the kind of guy who gets you wickets all the time. It might be with a long hop, but he'll get you a wicket every now and again.
2: <laughs> what about the top three? I mean, Harmy and I have been talking for weeks about England's problems with the top three, and then suddenly, you know, all the talk about Prithvi Shaw and Shubman Gill and the and and the the test regulars, and and suddenly, you know, they're not on the scene. They're not available, and. And then, you know, I have to say that I may possibly have been guilty of raising one eyebrow when KL Rahul
1: um, was
2: was named to open the batting, but Jeepers, didn't he answer the call?
1: Yes, and this is again a very Virat Kohli, Ravi Shastri type of move because till as recently as the World Test Championship, they insisted that they were not looking at KL Rahul as a reserve opener, that they were only looking at him as a reserve middle-order batsman. And in in that squad, they had backup opening batsman in uh, Mayank Agarwal and Abhimanyu Ishwaran. With those two guys there, they still asked for Prithvi Shaw. And it was only because of that uh, little COVID situation in Sri Lanka that Prithvi Shaw couldn't make it in time in the first place. Because if he had, then you can be sure that Rahul wouldn't have played and Prithvi would have played. And Rahul turned out to be just about ideal for the conditions. He's also, uh, you know, watching him play this series as uh, compared to previous... uh, series in, in conditions that where the ball is moving. He's made some adjustments to his technique. He's uh, looking to play uh, much more within himself. He's leaving a lot more balls. And especially early on, he had a tendency to like go hard at anything that was outside off and full, which is something he reigned in. But that's his natural game, so I'm not sure how long he'll be able to reign that in.
2: And, and uh, India had never won a series longer than three chess matches in England. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, you know, with England obsessing over the 100 and all the distractions and, um, and and such poor preparation for this current uh, chess squad. Are you confident? Do you think this is India's best chance? I mean, do you, what, what's your prediction?
1: Well, in the last five years, every time India's gone anywhere, we've said it's their best chance to, <laughs> to, to, to make history or to win something because they've played with that kind of attitude. And Kohli is very, very happy to go hard at games and uh, even lose them uh, in trying to win them. He's not a player who plays for the draw. He's not a player who plays who's conservative in in any sense. So with England being as weak as they are at the moment, uh, I mean, the top order, I saw them in India, uh, three test matches and, and then in the first test match now. And it just appears that this is such a brittle and fragile top order. And, you know, you can't expect Root to be scoring runs day in, day out. Is going to get a good ball or a bad decision at some point, you you would think. And that, that would leave India well-placed.
3: Do we expect any changes for India? Is it is it simple? The 11 that's played at, at Trem Bridge, is it same 11? And if the weather forecast
1: is set fair and sunshine, do they think Osh, Ashwin for Thakur could be the only change? I think that could be the only change that they might even contemplate because Kohli has made it quite clear that he likes how this template worked in, in the first match. Uh, there need to be really good reasons for him to make a change. Uh, if, if the wicket looks unusually dry or incredibly hot and sunny, which is, as we know, quite unlikely in England in the summer, Ashwin's uh, going to be on the bench for a little while longer, I would think.
2: It was an amazing build-up for India, wasn't it? I mean, I, I know that you weren't in their bubble, but do you, do you know how, how they coped with being in the country for for a month playing intra squad games and uh i mean it was you and i both know what it's like and so does harmy better than either of us what it's like to get jaded on tour and and to spend long periods away from home that's just amazing i mean i can't help thinking that actually it's more than a month isn't it they've they've been in england for six weeks before the first test match after the world test championship
1: well, I think that's why they gave all the players a big break in between. There was three and a half, four weeks in which the players could do, could go anywhere and do what they want. And a lot of them did, um, mostly travelling around England. And it, it was very, you know, it's, they've been in various bubbles for almost 10 months now, which is incredibly hard to do, as you say. And and the, 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 the good fortune of it was that they were in England and it's a place where they can go out and, and be themselves, they can go for meals, they can go for walks, they can go to the park and not get mobbed by fans. So it, it, in, a, in a way, it worked out really well for India's players. It was tricky in that you, you didn't want anyone to contract COVID in the time. But aside from that, they all had a significant amount of downtime and I think they desperately needed that as well. Uh,
2: and just very quickly, you know, in light of, of Ben Stokes being the latest cricketer to take a break, indefinite break from cricket... I mean, I look at India's schedule, and I know this is not unusual because they're the busiest cricketers on earth. But, you know, I mean, from, from England, they go straight to the UAE to continue with the IPL. It's not all the players, obviously, but we're talking about, you know, eight or ten, aren't we, um, of this squad. And then it's um, T20 World Cup, and then there's a scheduled tour against New Zealand, and then India come to South Africa, uh, for a full series um, in all three formats. I mean, it's just relentless. Do you do you fear for the the mental well-being of some of the players?
1: Take Kohli, for example. Absolutely. And also the, 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 the slight difference is that in India, it's not easy for a player to take a break. It's not easy for a player to say, I want to take a break for mental health reasons. Uh, we're not yet in that place where someone can do it. it. If someone like Kohli did it, for example, it would set an example and allow others to contemplate something like that. But a a slightly less established player, a junior player, if if he said that, uh, he would be perhaps looked at as being weak, as as not having the mental strength to deal with the stresses of international cricket on and off the field, which would of course not be true. But that that's the kind of perception that there would be, and also the the, the other issue is that there's just so much competition for places. If you went out of the side voluntarily, there's almost no guarantee you'd get your place back. Just recently, we had two, two full Indian sides playing uh, simultaneously. And, and the one in Sri Lanka lost eight, nine players because of COVID isolation. And they still played all their, all their games. There's just that, that much competition for sports now. It's very, very hard for a young player to voluntarily sit out matches, forget about the series. And
2: it's so good to have you. We'll catch up with you uh, as and when you're available throughout the rest of the series. But uh, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you very much. You're listening to The Cricket Collective
2: on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Still to come, we'll look at some of the other cricket stories making headlines this week. But next, we'll discuss the bowling conundrums ahead of this week's second test. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the
5: Institute of Cricket. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint
4: Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
2: You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. As we continue to look ahead to Thursday's second test between England and India, if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via all good podcast providers. Well, England coach Chris Silverwood is uh, remaining optimistic, obviously. Um, He said there were a lot of good things to come out of the first test match, uh, although Virat Kohli said that he thought the final day, which was rained out, of course, uh, was 70-30 in India's favour. I thought he was quite generous giving England a mm-hmm. 30% chance of taking nine wickets and defending 150 runs. But um, let's hear from, from Chris
5: Silverwood. Mine certainly a consideration for us. He's always been I mean, part of our consideration. So that's something that Joe and I are going to chat, chat about. Obviously, when we get to Lords and sit down and have a coffee and go through... Potentially 11 for you know what I mean for for Lords really or the squad for Lords. You know I mean we know he's a fine cricketer. He's showing fine form, uh, obviously in the hundred at the moment. Appreciates a different format, uh, but he's showing us what he can do there. So I think it's something that has to be in our mind. If that's the case, then surely he should be in this team.
3: Baffled to be honest. I'm baffled. The only thing I can think of is they don't want to pick him and not put him in in a bubble. That's the only thing I can think of in this. If Joe Root thinks, if Joe Root might have a masterstroke, he might, it might be a masterstroke where he's going, you know what? We're not going to play a spinner. So we're not going to play a spinner. We're not going to put him in the bubble. The problem we've had with Mo and Ali over the last two years is he's been in the bubble so many times and we haven't played. He's gone. His head's gone from that point of view. If we're going to pick him in a squad, we're picking him in a player. And if we're not going to pick him in a squad, if he's not going to play. And I think that might have to come with a few others now. I think I think Mark Wood might be in this situation now, where if you don't if you don't think Mark Wood's going to play, don't put him in a bubble. Let him go and play. Let him go and play cricket. I think there's quite a few of these now, where you're going to have to not pick, pick for two for two test matches. They've picked the squad, and I think they've picked 17, which is fine. They've got to cover their all bases. But I think now if they've got to look at it, and if they don't think feel somebody's going to play. You can't keep picking people into bubbles and keep expecting them to carry drinks, sit in their hotel room, do their training and not play cricket. The professional cricketers that need to play. And I think that, I hope that's what the case is with Mo and Ali, because if not, then uh, the selection panel's got it all wrong. Mo and Ali should be playing for England if you can fit a spinner in. I can understand if you can't fit a spinner in, you don't have them around. But if you can fit a spinner in, Mo and Ali for me is the first name on a team sheet. Do you think he feels that England dodged a bullet on the last day at Trent Bridge? Possibly. I don't, I don't know. You know, I was back in England. I was back in I know, England. I know, <laughs> I know.
2: I heard you say that, but I just,
3: <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I honestly, I backed England. The one thing that was going to be, was, was going to happen, It was going to zip around a bit. And if we looked at the, the, the days that have gone by, the, the, it seemed to be the middle session seemed to be uh, 18, 20 overs in of a, of a new ball is where the ball did its did its most. And that was what about what it was when England England were about to take the field. It just seemed that the, 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 whoever was batting England or, or India, the road they look first up and then that, that passage of play, there was a lot of wickets in a, in a short space of time. And I thought if England could get India and Coley gone, even needing 80, England win. I still think they win because ball moving, pant coming in with his roller skates on, the tail... Exposed, I'd, I'd have fancied fancied England because there was cloud cover. The, the rain forecast was there; it was going to move around all day. And a hundred, even hundred and fifty runs is a lot of runs in England when the ball's moving around. Test match tells you that. So I didn't think it was a foregone conclusion that India were just going to rock up, knock it off, and say thanks very much. Let's see you at Lords. But if England had won. Would that have made the problems even worse? Because the problem England would have gone, well, we've won the test match. But well, yeah, but you can't get one, two, and three to score any runs. And then we've still got the same, same things. Uh, question marks are coming. So we were we were we were robbed of an absolute humdinger of a deer. But when you when you look at it from Silverwood's point of view, it's a it's a, it's a week out of the way where there's no damage, we haven't lost the game, we've had a week to prepare better as a test team. Arguably you'd think England were the away team and not the home team. Because how many times do we look on, a, on an overseas tour and you go, they're a bit underdone, they're a bit rusty, they haven't climatized that well. Lindy you've been over here for six weeks and that looked as though they had done. England, three of England's players hadn't played a Red ball game all summer and that's what it looked like. So England will probably better for this, this run out at, at Trent Bridge, ready for Lords. Let's talk Jack Leach for a moment. Um, it, it's, it's a
2: peculiar, peculiar situation, but even if it's subconscious... I just wonder whether Silverwood, he doesn't select the team by himself, obviously. I mean, Joe Root will have a, a say. and uh, 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 But I just wonder, with the fragility of the top order, I mean, a left-arm spinner needs 350, 400 runs on the board. He needs the captain, the, you know, the, they need they need to know that they're going to score runs and score them heavily. And at the moment, I just think that the tendency is to go for the extra batsman. Dan Lawrence, uh, you know, uh, instead of 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 going for the spin option,
3: yeah, and no, I couldn't agree more. And the the one factor to to go on top of that is uh, the playing India. When you're playing India against spin, uh, if you're playing against the West Indies or they're playing against Africa, Australia, New Zealand, your subcontinent teams you're not getting runs first innings, and you're playing a spinner who isn't mystery that doesn't turn it both ways. You're you're basically asking you're not asking for trouble because you back your spinner to go and take the to do the job. I actually like a spinner at Lords. I think the slope at Lords with DRS now, the way the modern world is, it brings a lot more a lot more danger into play for the finger spinner. But the balance of the side is 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 huge, and I just don't see how Jack fits in. I don't see I don't see how Mark Wood fits in, and I'm desperate for a quick bowler to play because if you're not going to back the spin bowler, you're not going to back your fast bowler. You're looking at playing four-man... You've played a four-man attack with Sam Curran, who was pretty much redundant in that test match when it didn't... You've also got to remember, when Sam Curran wants the ball, it has to be in swinging conditions because of his height and stature and his trajectory. Well, if you're going to throw the ball at Sam Curran in them conditions, why are you not throwing it at Jimmy Anderson? Because he wants the same conditions and he's got 600 test wickets. So it's just... How you balance that up, But well, you need Sam as a batsman, so you're always going to play him. Well, you want your fast bowler. If he's going at five and a half and over and you're not scoring runs, you want your spinner. And if he's not really turning that much, he's not holding the game against India and he's getting belted with the runs you're on the board. That's what's going through the the, the minds of the, the selection panel. So I, I can only see a very, very similar bowling unit selected going forward. And the, it could be quite simple what you said before. Are England players good enough? Is Jack Leach in one of the that category? Where do England back Jack Leach to be a front line spinner in Test match cricket in English conditions, especially against a team like India who's, who who plays spin very very well?
2: Do you know last week um, you said rhetorically, "What do we do with Sam Curran? What do we do with Sam?" And I, it occurred to me that that sometimes when a player doesn't have a defined role and uh, he's seen as a sort of a bits and pieces player and he's not quite a top six batsman and he's not quite a, an opening bowler. Sometimes a player can go away and make a career change for himself. Yeah. And I just wonder, you know, they define themselves at, at County level and, and they then force the national selectors to, to see them in a, in a particular role. And I, I just occurred to me that that Sam Curran might go back to Surrey and say, Can I bat six?
3: I would love that. Two things there, Manners. One, he doesn't go back to Surrey and play first class cricket. He doesn't play first class cricket. Every time first class cricket's on, he's in the IPL or he's playing somewhere else in the world with the white ball. He doesn't play first class cricket. So in that I would even go higher. I'd go, you know, trying to get him at number five, you know, five, six, expose him to the ball moving around. Let him think as a batsman. Can you think as a batsman? And I'll give you a great example who I thought was fantastic in this test match two about three years ago. This is the way India were talking about Ravinder Jajaja. They thought he was a bits and pieces cricketer who batted a bit, bowled a bit, electric in the field and look, look what he's turned out in the last two years since India backed him to be the number seven and be second spinner, Jadeja is arguably one of the best all-rounders in the world. I think he's the second best all-rounder in the world behind Ben Stokes. I think he's a, he gives for me he's a better option than than Jason Holder, uh, Shaky Balasan, You could argue because he does so much for Bangladesh, but I think this well, probably the second best all-rounder in the world at the minute is Ravinder Jadeja. He was talked about four, three, four years ago as a bits and pieces cricketer by people in India. He's now where he is because they backed him. England might have to do that. The problem that is, it comes back to... Everything comes back to the same thing. The problem with that is, Jadeja batted at seven, behind Pajara, Sharma, Coley, Rahane. They They were a proper batting outfit. If Joe Root doesn't score runs against us, and Sam Curran batting at seven, the way things are going, he's in in the 30th over, 25th, 30th over, and he's not going to be the player that we want him to be. So I think it's all, it, it, it moves in a, in a line. And I would love England to back Sam at, at seven and give him the, the bowling spot while Ben Stokes is not playing.
2: Well, let's hear from more from the England camp. Uh, Joe Root was uh, talking after Trent Bridge about the frustrations of a winter, which included so much rest and rotation. Um, and he just wants to have his first choice settled team.
5: We want to try and find something settled sooner, sooner rather than later. Um, but ultimately, I think on conditions and, and where we're going, you know, we might have to alter our side slightly. Yeah, as always, you want, you want continuity. Um, something that we haven't had, whether that be to, to rest and rotation, whether it be to COVID, to injuries, a number of other factors, it, there, there have been a lot of obstacles for us to overcome as a side. There, there might be more in the future. We've just got to be adaptable, be pragmatic.
2: That's Joe Root talking uh, about wanting to have a, a settled team, which, of course, is going to be very hard while Ben Stokes is uh, is taking some time off. Part of that settled team might be Ollie Robinson, who continues to impress and, and once again really looked the part at uh, Trent Bridge. And he was uh, reflecting afterwards on uh, on what happened off the field uh, with those historical tweets during his debut. And admitted that he wondered whether he'd ever play for England again.
4: There was a time when I was speaking with, with my lawyers and, and we were sort of looking at the fact I could be banned for a couple of years and, and never play for England again. So a couple of years I've been 30 and someone else might have come in and, and taken my spot. So there was definitely a time where I had doubts over my career. But luckily, see it, all, it all came good today.
2: Ollie Robinson, do you agree, Harmy? Um, he, he looks the part, doesn't he? I mean, do you see him playing a role down under?
3: Yeah, I do, I really do. Um, there was a comparison with Josh Hazelwood. I don't think he's quite here, he's not Hazelwood from a pace point of view. He hits the same areas. He's you know, the way the way McGraw bowled at the end, at the end of his career, with 80 mile an hour, hitting a good area, asking questions in and around that off stump. He's got a he's got a great length for a tall bowler. My bowl, my my length is too short in Australia. I was easy cut, I was easy pulled because of the bounce, because of my height. Robinson bowls that bit fuller. He's got that half a yard fuller where batsmen don't, but batsmen are looking at him and think, I'm not coming forward to you. But feel, but feel when they're in the crease, they're thinking, I've got to come forward to that. I've got to come forward to that. And I think that's what Ollie Robinson gives. Um, he gives a bit similar to what Stuart Broad gives. Obviously, not the experience, but I think, you know, hitting an area consistently making the batsman play from an outside edge point of view. I think he's good. I, I did like his interview manners. I really liked his interview. He didn't, he didn't just say, right, the Twitter stuff and everything that I had before that's behind me now and pushed it to one side. He actually was honest and open and said, I was wrong. I didn't think I'd ever play test match cricket again. I'm grateful that I'm coming back and having the chance and I'm a better person for I was eight years ago from that. That that for me was a brilliant interview because he's admitted he was wrong. He didn't just push it away. There was a human element to that interview, and there was a there was a there was an honest element which I quite liked because you don't always get that from from sportsmen. But this is such a touchy subject. I thought he, I thought he, he handled that very very well, and that for me tells you that he has changed. He has got a better head on his shoulders. Um, And the cricket will do the talking for him now. Fingers crossed. And the two test matches he's played, he's been absolutely brilliant.
2: I couldn't agree more. It was, it was brilliant. Um, You know, there was no predictability. There was no um, cliches. Uh, I, I just think he spoke superbly. Okay. A reminder England take on India in the second test at Lords this Thursday. And John Norman will keep you updated across the talk sport network. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. And next up, we'll focus on some of the other stories making headlines around the world this week. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. And it's time now to focus on some of the other stories from this week. Uh, clearly, Jofra Archer being out for the rest of the year was a massive, massive blow. Um, and another one of those stories that uh, takes your breath away uh, couldn't quite believe that uh, it was true, a recurrence of the stress fracture in his right elbow. This is what Jimmy Anderson had to say about uh, losing Jofra Archer, particularly for the Ashes.
3: Yeah, well, it's a huge disappointment for, for Joffre and, and the team. He's, a, he's been a really influential part of the team for the last couple of years. Since he, and obviously a huge miss with what's coming up in the rest of the year. Um, but I think also it's, so this sort of injury is something that's been bugging him for quite a while. So I think hopefully now this, this could be the, the end of it and uh, you know, get it settled, get it healed or whatever it needs to happen, rehab it and come back stronger because, as I said, he's been great for, for this team and we want him back fully fit and firing. So hopefully, whenever, however long it takes, that will, that will happen in the next, um, next few months.
2: Harmi, um, what I found quite um, upsetting is the number of people that wanted to apportion blame. And maybe blame is apportionable, maybe he was returned too early, maybe he was overbold maybe maybe someone was to blame, but it just didn't seem right like the time and the place to be looking for for blame when um when really um you know it was we need to focus on
3: a positive outcome, yeah, the positive outcome is to get Joffrey back on a on a pitch anywhere, even if it's a Sussex second team. Talk about the the the, the mental uh, the mental well-being of, of people, and to spend that much time out of the game is going to be very very difficult to get motivated, to get himself in a, in a physically fit condition, um, and get himself ready to go again. Because having the injuries had, he's had a two or three false starts, and it still recurred and still recurred. So that will be the hardest part for his injury rehab to get past the mental side of well. I got to this point last time. It's hurting. Is it broken again? and I think that from a, a bowler's point of view is, is something that you have to overcome um and it's going to be it's, it's heartbreaking for england uh, It's a huge loss for England and it's a it's a big it's a big thing for Jofra because in that time six seven months he's got to, he's got to put himself in a position where does he really want to play Test cricket? I think he does. I've changed my mind on him. I've, I have changed my mind on him. I did think he was just a white ball bowler. He didn't want to play test cricket. I actually think over the course of the last 12 months and what he said and the way he spoke about it, I think this kid wants to play test cricket. I just think his body is in a position where it's letting him down a little bit. So I hope he comes back and plays test match cricket. Um, but he'd be having serious thoughts while he's in rehab that bowling 40 overs in a, in a, in a test match first innings, a bowling 40 overs over six weeks, in an IPL or in a, in a franchise tournament, which is going to be best for him? So I think that's something, and we want him to come back. He's box office. I love watching for Archer Bowl, and yeah, we wish and hope and pray that he gets well. And Jimmy, Jimmy's right, what he's saying. It seems that England, we looked see to play Mark Wood is because they possibly think that they're going to need a fast bowler later on down the line. Do they really want to expose somebody who's got an injury track record and potentially have nobody up their sleeve bowling 90 mile an hour that's experienced Test Match cricketer for the foreseeable future?
2: Very quickly, then it opens up a possibility for another fast bowler England have over the years generally taking a, a young fast bowler, you know, give him experience. And if he's playing well, maybe, you know, he could sneak into a, into a test starting 11. There, there's
3: an opportunity for someone out there, isn't there? Any names come to mind? Yeah. The one that yeah, I think you're setting me up for that. I, I, I shouted before England, had COVID and I, I did say that he'd play for England. Bryden Cast. I think Brian Cast will play. I think he might play at the oval. I actually think he might. If, if Stokes was fit, I think Cast might have played at the oval against India because of because of his pierce and his bounce and everything that goes with it. But getting him into a side now with just four-man attack, I think might be a bit difficult. But I think l- long term going forward, I can see cars coming in and he seems to be be more durable than Stone. And I think there's there's Mark Woods back up fast bowler if England need a little bit of firepower. He's on the plane to Australia in my opinion. I would take him tomorrow. England aren't going to take 17. They're going to take 22, 23 players. <laughs> They're going to need a barrage of fast bowlers. If Stone's there, great. But I think Cars will definitely be in Australia. If, and a big if, if the tour goes ahead. I'm
2: delighted to say now, joining us from Brisbane, Australia, live on the line is uh, Brisbane Courier Mail veteran cricket writer and broadcaster, Robert Craddock. Uh, We're going to talk Bangladesh uh, crash, if if we may. Not many people saw the series defeat uh, coming Aussies way. And in fact, you didn't see it.
4: It's a good point, Manners. Uh, for the first time in about 20 odd years, the uh, television rights were not taken up. Now, I'll declare my interest here. I, I work for Fox Sports, who would normally broadcast it, but uh, they did not take up, uh, they, they did not uh, manage to negotiate a contract. I would say there's two things out of this series that the fact it's not being televised one, six top players decided not to tour. And that's a warning to Australia that if you send B-grade teams, television networks are not charities. You know, if, if you send weakened teams, they, they're the big stars missing. They don't feel obliged to bid. So create a bit of a ruckus here, but think it's a Cricket Australia. Send your best team and, and, you know, get people interested. The best players didn't want to go though, Crash. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I think that they've got to find a way around that, man. It's like you know, it was really disappointing. And I I do also believe that the absence of those top players weakens Australia's argument against England in the current Ashes, in the forthcoming Ashes series. Like when English players are saying, Oh, look, we've got bubble fatigue and we can't tour. Well, if six Australians pull out of a tour to Bangladesh where you can hardly say to England, Oh, come on, you guys come on over. I mean, there's no argument there. There's no high moral ground, is there? In the
3: Tour 2 Bangladesh, you talked about six tours, t- top players not playing. Was there anybody that came out of the, the tour from a younger point of view that Australia will say, you know what, it was worthwhile going, it was worthwhile putting up with six top players not playing? I know Dan Christian hit, hit five sixes in an over, but you're not looking at Dan Christian for the future.
4: No, look, it's a good point, Steve. And it's actually been a bit of a discussion point that there hasn't really been anyone. And the selectors were
3: desperate
4: for a couple of young kids to come out of it so they could put them straight in the World Cup squad and say to the senior players, well, you should have gone to Bangladesh. But what it probably reinforced, Steve, was the best players are the best players david warner steve smith and even manis labushane who's playing in england at the moment who didn't go for logistical reasons he might well sneak into the world t20 the only batsman in form has been mitchell marsh who's looked really good i have to say it uh but a real enigma at international level but there has been no discovery and if anything it's proved the opposite that the gap between the best and the rest is quite substantial
2: crash just changing tack if i may um Obviously, there's been a great deal of discussion about the possibility of of postponing the Ashes, or even, heaven forbid, playing them outside of Australia, playing them, uh, you know, in the UAE or something, because of uh, Australia's strict COVID uh, restrictions and protocols. I, what, what's the what's the feeling in Australia about about England suggesting that? or many of their best players wouldn't want to go to the Ashes and be, be away for, from home for four or five months without their families, if their families weren't allowed to join them?
4: Well, initially people are saying, oh, come on, guys, toughen up. But then the layers are coming out, manners, And we, we, you know, people are starting to realise that English players have been in the bubble for about 18 months. So everyone's worried about it because here's the thing. The quarantine laws are reasonably strict. There's thousands of Australians wanting to come home and can't. And I don't think they'll go all the way with this England team. I really don't. I think that they will say, yes, you can bring your wives and children, but they must quarantine for two weeks. Now that apparently is a real sticking point, Steve. I've heard that English players have said, we do not want our families stuck in hotel quarantine for two weeks. So, it's a real worry. And because they can't make promises now, the government manners, because it could all change week to week. So it's tricky. It's very, very tricky.
3: What would the cost be, uh, Crash, if England didn't come this year? I know manners, uh, manners was the first person about six months ago to say if they can cancel the Olympics, they can cancel the Ashes. Can they postpone the Ashes? And what cost would that have? To Australia, to the global cricket market,
4: to everything because it's it's huge. Oh, look, it is, Steve. It, it, it'd be a cost of more than two hundred million dollars. Like it would, it would absolutely send Australia tumbling into financial despair. Here's what they'll say to England: They will say, "We don't care whether you bring your first eleven, your second eleven, or Berry's team from Hinton Charterhouse." just turn up with a squad of 17 we beg you for these five tests then they'll say okay there may be states that you can come in and not quarantine brisbane for instance has high quarantine like it's quite strict on it it's uh, you know quarantine laws there may be some states that that, that give them a better deal uh, but look I I, I don't see a lot of wriggle room in the quarantine laws as they stand at the moment. There'll be a lot of pressure placed on the federal government. Everyone knows that this Ashes series has to happen as much for the sake of the Australian community as anything. I mean, the Olympics really lifted Australia because a lot of it's in lockdown at the moment and the Ashes I do believe will have have a similar effect.
3: But does that, does that cut, does that, for me, Test Match Cricket is hanging by a, by a thread with all the the white ball competitions that's around. If England send 16 single guys or 25 single guys over to Australia for five test matches, and it's not a spectacle of what the ashes is, is that the beginning of the end for test match cricket?
4: It's it's a torpedo ships. I've got to say it, but look, As Michael Vaughan said the other day, and uh, he said, look, it's hard enough to win in Australia anyway. He said, you look back, sure, England won in 2010, and then Mike Gatting's team won. But generally speaking, they do it tough out in Australia. So, but all sorts of pressure will be placed on England just to get 17 players out here. And, And how do you feel, Steve, like... What's your gut feeling right now on it? Like, like, do you think there'll be withdrawals? Yes, I think there will be withdrawals, and I think there'll be big name withdrawals. I'm
3: looking at something like Josh Butler, who has got, I think, a kid on a, a baby on the way. I can't see Ben Stokes being involved after what, with what he's going through now, and then the potential of having with Ben, you've got his family are are, are putting shield around him at this moment in time to help him to get through the next phase of his life and what he's going through to have that taken away to go to Australia for three months. I can't see that happening. I I just, I see a lot of, a lot of cricketers in this country who will, who will be asking questions about family can't go. I won't go. Um, And I, and I I can see a lot of big hitters are the biggest hitters in English cricket. will uh, I think will pull out.
4: And can I say there's not one hint of a celebration in Australia about that statement. Like we, we were so, see Joffre Archer out here. And of course he's injured. Ben Stokes, for disciplinary reasons, missed the last Ashes series in Australia. And it completely threw the balance, as you know, of the entire English team. Everyone was looking forward to Stokes coming out again because remember on his first tour, he's got a wonderful century in Perth. So, it's just, it's so disappointing. And um, initially, I must admit, from afar, I thought they were empty threats, Steve, but they're coming from such well-informed sources. Like, you would speak to some of these guys. Michael Vaughan is so well-connected, isn't it? So the threats seem very, very real.
3: Yeah, they are real. And I I don't see it dampening down. The only thing I can see it, uh, crashes is it getting engulfed that little bit more? Can the find a way? Can Australia come to the... A compromise where they're letting, even if they just play the whole five test matches in one state, that that works for everybody. That could be the compromise that's going. I don't believe it should be played in the UAE. I'd rather be postponed a year. I think it would be a waste of time. You're killing killing the ashes if you're playing in the UAE. If they could postpone it for a year, that would be the last outcome. But if you can play it in one state, you could mm. do it in Brisbane with the Gabba-Allen-Border field or Perth with the two stadiums mm. there. There must be a way of, of compromise. If not, mm. I think there's a lot of people got to get a lot closer to, to each other. And at this minute in time, reading what I'm reading and hearing what I'm hearing, it just mm. looks as though the two teams are super two poles apart.
4: Yeah. I, I I tell you what I do like, Steve. The fact that the threat is out quite early. Yeah. I mean, we're in August and it's December. Like... If it was November, it could be this desperate scramble. But everyone knows it's genuine. Everyone knows it's out there. They've got time, you know. They can't sort of commit because no one knows the shape of the world in December. Like, you know, there might be, you know, things might be so much more relaxed by then. But I I, I have got faith in the ability of cricket officials to actually... Acquiesce their way through it. I, I, I just I can't believe there's not going to be uh, you know a solid Ashes contest next summer. But I am worried about withdrawals for sure.
2: Chris, thank you so much for your time. We'll uh, stay in touch if we may on the uh, on the ongoing Ashes situation. It'll be uh, great to chat to you in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you for. for and your... con-
4: thanks, Manners and Stephen. Congratulations to Bangladesh on that little series <laughs> win against Australia. And mush defies the rum, And I'd love to know your opinion on him, the, the very, very crafty left-arm bowler who bowls all sorts of dipply doodles and they, they cannot pick him. So joy to the mystery bowler and uh, see you again soon, guys. All the best. Bye.
2: Cheers, crush. That was Robert Craddock from uh, Brisbane. Well, thanks uh, once again, Harmy. It's been great. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler and double-ashes winner Steve Harmison. If you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available on all good podcast providers. We'll be back next week to look back at the second test and look ahead to the third. But for now, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2.